It seems like creatives always get a bad rap. From childlike tantrums and ridiculous green room requests, strange superstitions, and even self-mutilation, it's clear that artists have plenty of strange habits. But they've also made a pretty big impact on the world. Hi, I'm Kate Rooney. And I'm Jess Scuffy. And you're listening to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, the leading flat rate graphic design and creative services platform. In this podcast, we'll be uncovering the fascinating myths and shocking stories behind the artists we love, or in some cases, love to hate, as we try to determine, are creatives the worst? Welcome to Creatives Are the Worst, presented by Design Pickle, a podcast where we talk about uh, different creatives throughout history and try to decide if, well, if they're the worst. Uh, my name is Kate, and I'm with the lovely Jess Guffey. What's up, Jess? Hey, Kate. What's going on? <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> how's, your, how's your week going? We're recording on a Friday, so we've had a long week you know, Friday now. recordings are always dicey because it's like you look forward to it and it's a good way to end your Friday, but it's also like you're really tired from what's gone on during the week. We've dealt with ink things all week, so that's exciting, but also like a little tiring. A little tiring. Wait, what ink thing? <laughs> <laughs> I just need to give Kate a shout out real quick because she... What? So... We're on the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row, Design Pickle is, and Kate has written the funniest, wittiest emails for our sale going on this week, and the sale will be long over by the time that this episode airs, but, like, these emails, she even included a screenshot of herself looking derpy as hell, and it is oh, thank you. perfection. So, shout out, Kate. Yeah, thank just. <laughs> That was really nice of you. I, to be perfectly honest, I mean, I haven't been writing emails for a while. I just, you know, work is busy, but I had fun doing it. And it kind of got to the point where like, I can't even write anything creative. I'm just going to put a really terrible screenshot of myself into this email and that'll do. It worked. Like we literally got people on social media telling us, wow, this email is good for one that had a subject line of can't think of a good subject line. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so perfect. It's like reverse psychology. (laughs) I'm so glad that my exasperation has paid off. It's Friday. We're tired. I'm so hot. (laughs) (laughs) and I don't like I mean I've never been hotter in my life both literally but also just literally because it's so hot and California's on fire so it's important to note that we often have this conversation because I'll say I'm really hot and it'll be like 115 degrees in Arizona (laughs) and then Kate will say she's really hot it's like 85 degrees in California very different heats but like Come on. I get you it. Guys, you guys you guys complain about it, but like every establishment the, the freaking Arco gas station bathroom has air conditioning in Arizona. So that's that's my <laughs> so issue. <laughs> that's my issue. I have no AC. I have to turn my fan off for this freaking podcast, so my voice quality sounds really good. Uh Not but really. <laughs> speaking of podcasts, Jess. Should we should we actually like do our podcast or do you want to talk about how your gas stations aren't air conditioned? I feel like there's a I lot could. to unpack there. 
I could. I'm very upset about it. But I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather hear the story that you're going to tell me today. All right. So I have a very important question, and I feel like you need to answer this correctly. Oh no. What do The Rock, Hulk Hogan, John Cena, and Andre the Giant all have in common? The really big dudes. No. <laughs> no. Wrestling. Yeah. Right? Wait, I'm, I'm like, so not even that confident you. in my answer. I'm like, so, so proud of you right now. Wow. Aww. So, yes. They were all... <laughs> your voice, your wow is dripping with sarcasm right now. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know a sport. <sighs> so... Clearly, Kate, I mean, you don't know much about wrestling. Is that fair to assume here? No, it's my favorite. I watch it every day. (laughs) No, I know nothing about wrestling. Virtually nothing. Before I started researching this podcast, me either. Like, I knew that those people had been involved in wrestling at some point, because, like, you always hear that with The Rock, and obviously Hulk has been his own thing and whatever, but I didn't really know, like, the ins and outs or the stories or how dedicated their fan base is. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, because I don't really see it. Like, it's not really a mainstream sport. You can't really call it that. So it was really mm-hmm. interesting for me as an avid sports fan to kind of take a look at something that intersects with sports, but also, like, not at all, because it's all from the person that we're talking about's mind, which is Vince McMahon. <gasps> <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. Now I yeah. know that I know the name, okay, but that's about it. <laughs> so, Vince McMahon, he currently serves as the chairman and CEO of the WWE. Do you know what the WWE is? The no. <laughs> we'll find out. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll I was going to try to attempt it, but World Wrestling Edification. Yes, that nailed it. Totally. (laughs) So this episode is primarily focused on Vince McMahon and his long standing career as a creative. And people might be like, oh, but it's sports. Like, how is he considered a creative? We'll get there. Trust me. But he is, Mm. some refer to him as a creative overlord. So if that gives you an indication (laughs) of where this is going. That is a Great title. Creative I kind of want to be called that, you know? Like, oh, my days. New job title. <laughs> Change my email signature. It's happening. Yep. <laughs> okay. So Vince's story started in 1945 in North Carolina. His parents actually divorced shortly after he was born, so he had no idea anything about his dad, really, what was going on there. Um, he was raised in North Carolina by his mom in an eight-foot-wide trailer, He's referenced this many times in interviews, like, oh, we were dirt poor and all these things. Like, he made it very clear that they did not have a lot. And throughout his childhood, his mom had a revolving door of just different stepfathers that were involved. They were oftentimes violent. (laughs) I thought you were, I don't know why, but I thought you were going (laughs) to say a revolving door of suitors. Like, that would have been fancier for some reason that would have been like a nicer way to say it but let's just call a spade a spade like they were violent people that she had in the trailer do you know if she was like is she she married multiple times or just had 
Well, according to my research, they were referred to as stepfathers, so it would imply hmm. that they were, in fact, like, legal stepfathers to Vince, but okay. I truly, I don't, I can't answer that question. If you know, let us know. But Vince didn't actually even meet his dad until he was 12 years old, so, like, hmm. as a kid, can you imagine? Oh, just growing up, um, don't know who my dad is. <laughs> a nice, sturdy handshake to you. Yeah, that's crazy. So his dad, the interesting part about it is his dad wasn't struggling at all. So here you have his ex-wife and his son living in an eight-foot-wide trailer. But his dad is, like, kind of killing it and not struggling. So that sucks. important to note that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And his grandfather, so Vince's grandfather, Jess McMahon, was an Irish immigrant and he was a well-known, like, very prominent boxing promoter in New York before he moved into wrestling promotion. So you can kind of see the stage being set here. Like, mm-hmm. see where this is going a little bit. So Vince wanted more for himself. He ended up leaving home at 14 to go live with his dad and escape the violence that he had grown accustomed to. It's rumored that he also endured sexual abuse as a kid. Um, and he really had trouble fitting in at school. So he was always acting out, getting in trouble, acting aggressively or violently towards other kids at school. Hmm. And again, can kind of see the stage getting set here for his profession later on. Down yeah. The so Vince's dad, who is also named Vince, sent him to military school where he was the first cadet to be court martialed in the history of the school. So just whoa, like, whoa, whoa, back it's up! Just like not going well. Do you do you know why he was court-martialed? Because that's like <laughs> not not minor. I didn't dig into it because there's so much other stuff. Oh, but okay, okay, okay. It was important to note because it just like you're going to be big. like, wow, I'm not surprised. Okay, <laughs> okay, sorry, so sorry. Continue. So he goes on to East Carolina University, and he barely passed, in his words. He allegedly would go to professors and just ask them to change his grades. And he stated that it seemed like professors didn't know that people would actually do this. Like, they weren't used to students being like, hey, can I actually have a B instead of an F? (laughs) And so oftentimes they granted these new grades to him just based on that principle alone. I fully did that once in high school, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Shout out to my science teacher, whose name I can't remember. You didn't give me the grade I wanted. It's okay. It's fine. Look at me now. It makes I'm recording me think a- of the- <laughs> I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> makes me think of the movie Clueless when she gets like her entire report card changed. <laughs> Vince McMahon, Cher Horowitz, same people. Anyways... Ooh. While he was in college, he married his wife, Linda, when she was only 17 years old. Yeah. Um, it's important to also note that his wife, Linda, we could probably do a whole other episode on her. Like, she has had a very interesting career in her own right. She went on to run for Senate at one point. She served as CEO of the WWE at one point, And most recently, she was the administrator of the Small Business Administration for the United States. So, like, she's had a, an interesting ride herself. But that's neither. Wow. Okay. Go, Linda. Yeah. I mean, if you want to say that, you'll, again, you'll see why later. Oh, but I can't wait. But to support their young family, Vince worked 
kind of odd jobs. He just kind of bounced around. At one point, he sold paper cups. He also worked at a quarry where he worked 90 hours a week. Just weird, weird stuff. And I think it's it's interesting because obviously he had a tumultuous childhood. It's not a straight and narrow shot. I didn't grow up with two parents. But he has been quoted multiple times talking about his childhood and often references it. And in a 2001 interview with Playboy, he said, when I hear people from the projects or anywhere else blame their actions on the way they grew up, I think it's a crock of shit. You can rise above it. This country gives you opportunity if you want to take it. So don't blame your environment. I look down on people who use their environment as a crutch. Again, said by a white man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So take that for what you will. I know you have a lot more coming for me, but yeah, props to him. He was able to to rise up and he came from dire circumstances. Uh, Not the case for everyone, though. Totally. I I hear you. (laughs) Loud and clear. So... Through all this, his dad had started the Capital Wrestling Corp, which is the parent company of the World Wrestling Federation. And this controlled much of early televised wrestling in the Northeast Territory. So at this time, essentially wrestling was not a centralized thing. There are all these territories around the country for different wrestling promoters to promote their individual things. And they had informal boundaries, like nothing was written on paper or legal in a contract. So it was really like the mafia, (laughs) the way they had it structured. It was like, (laughs) hey, man, like, don't come on my turf and I won't go on yours type of deal. But they were so successful because they were able to do exclusive rights with their respective TV providers and cable companies. So like each like local television yeah like okay they basically had monopolies on that because it was only them running that territory so they didn't have to fight or bid for television time so they were really successful and they also had their own stable of talent so each territory was known for like certain personalities at this time so his dad was running the northeast and vince really really wanted to get involved like he really wanted to be involved in the company really just kept asking his dad and his dad really didn't want him to he was like listen i see this business for what it is i'm more practical than that i want more for you as my son even though i didn't know you until you were 12 like <laughs> what <laughs> that's how Real i change of heart. the conversation <laughs> you'll change of heart there <laughs> i actually forgot you existed until you were 12 years old but now i want more for you but you grew up in a trailer so that's fine but now Now I've decided that I want more for you. Wow. Regardless, Vince kept pushing. He really wanted to be involved. And his dad had figured out at one point that a promoter in Maine, so part of their territory, was stealing money from them. And (gasps) Vince was like, this is my in. I'm good. I can handle it. And his dad finally agreed. So his dad said, if you don't make this successful within six months, you're done. We're never going to talk about it again. You're out. Goodbye. Off you saying You're done. <laughs> <laughs> Was he also German? Or <laughs> no? It's a Project Runway reference, Kate. Come on. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so... Make it work. <laughs> exactly. So things shifted for Vince, like in his confidence and, you know, believing in himself that he was going to do this in the six months when an announcer quit and he filled in as the announcer for a wrestling match. So it kind of bolstered him up and gave him the confidence to go forward. Lo and behold, 
1982, he purchased the World Wrestling Federation from his dad. Whoa, wait. That was, I know you have a lot more to talk about, but like, that's a leap. He went from going after this guy who's stealing money, being a presenter, and then he bought it? Yeah. How did he purchase it? Oh, wow. Okay. So he had bigger visions for the WWF than just running the Northeast Territory. His goal was to make the WWF the premier wrestling promotion in the U.S., if not the world. And he's been quoted saying if he hadn't purchased it from his dad, there would still be, quote, 30 tiny kingdoms struggling. I had no allegiance to those little lords. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait, I don't even know what to say to that. That's like, that is some dark ages shit. What? Yeah. Like, are we going to talk about peasants too? I don't. Where does that come from? Especially in the 80s. It's like, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> okay, bro. So, oh, okay. Cable was really the key to getting it to Vince's vision. So, it kind of brought it to the national stage. He signed a deal with the USA Network, which coincidentally still exists today. And wrestlers started going to the WWF because of this grandiose vision that he had for the Federation. Okay, wait. I have a, I have a stupid question. In the beginning, when I called it the World Wrestling uh, Edification or something stupid like that, I thought you said WWE, but that's a thing, right? How's that different from the WWF? You will find out, my friend. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So many answers to come. I feel like you're going to put all the pieces together and it's just going to be like, whoa. Well, that's perfect because I love puzzles. Let's do this. (laughs) Exactly. It's perfect. Okay. So we get to the 80s, early 90s, and to quote back to Vince, I mean, just as a reminder, he had a very big vision for this. He purchased it when he was not that old, right? Like, didn't have much experience other than working as an announcer and buying it from his dad. And like, sure, his grandpa had done it and his dad had done it. But what had he really done? Eh, you know, eh, a few things here and there. So he really had this vision to turn wrestling into sports entertainment and make it not just a sport, turn it into actual entertainment. And he wanted it to be more of a live action cartoon. He envisioned like the supercharged physiques of the stars, a violent sports telenovela. Like that's the narrative that he was going with in his head as a creative. Hmm. And this is where we start to see him really start to flaunt his creative side. So he was overseeing storylines and scripts and every detail of the WWF at this point. Really starting to become a creative overlord. And now the whole thing with like him overseeing these di- different kingdoms and stuff <laughs> makes sense. His, Correct. Yeah. Little lords. <laughs> yeah. So with this, I mean, what's a creative without a little chaos, right? So he also contributed to drama outside the ring. And a really good example of this is in 1983, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Just pause on that name real quick. (laughs) Why did you have to say that right when I'm taking a sip of water? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) For the record, Kate just almost spit her water all over her podcast (laughs) mic. (laughs) I just, I was not ready for that name. You got to give me a heads up with those names, man. (laughs) Let's say say it one more time. Please. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. 
Anyways, in 1983, he placed a call to an ambulance for his injured girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. And it's important to note that Jimmy was a huge star in the 80s. Like, he had many of the most iconic moments in the WWF in the 80s. Like, big star, right? Like, equate it to someone like Tom Brady nowadays. That level I'm sorry. of stardom. Who? Kate, you know who Tom Brady is. Don't lie. I know who Tom Brady is. Come on. <sighs> So calls the ambulance for her. She's covered in scrapes, all these cuts, bruises, etc., that are often associated with domestic abuse. And Nancy ended up passing away of traumatic brain injuries. Oh my gosh. So yeah, really, really sad. And after all this kind of passes and you know, she passed away and all that stuff. Vince was cooperative with the district attorney's office because obviously there's a huge investigation going on. Like you're showing signs of domestic abuse, traumatic brain injuries, all this stuff. Like they're not just going to let that sweep under the rug. So Vince is being cooperative, but he did all the talking and all of the proceedings, everything. Snooka did not say one word. Vince said everything. Okay. The overlord is overlording. He's overlording. And Snooka ended up walking away from the case without penalty. What? Wait, did they? Yeah. Is it? So it sounds like it's pretty much assumed that he was violent towards his girlfriend. Correct. That was what the media was assuming. And miraculously, he just gets to walk away without penalty. And oddly enough, no one that was involved in any of these conversations or proceedings remembers the specifics around the conversations that took place. Oddly enough, like, no one seems to remember. But Snooka has said, whether he slipped and said it accidentally or not, we don't know, he remembers Vince having a briefcase with him at one of the proceedings, implying... Money, money, money! Yeah. Money! Cool. So obviously cool, the cool, whole cool, thing cool, is cool, super cool. dark, like, terrible story, super sad, just not great. And that's just one example of early deaths, murders, etc. that were oh boy. then going on to become prominent in the WWF. So yeah, in 1984, though, they signed Hulk Hogan, who <gasps> you probably know of from his reality show. <laughs> I was just gonna say, did, did you ever watch that show when it was of live? Of course I did. Oh my god. Man, I hope Brooke Hogan's was, doing okay. Didn't she have a spinoff? I think so. I, I think she had her own show at some point, too. I think it was on VH1. Like, what a time. I watched, I watched man. Dude, what a time to be alive. I, yeah, <laughs> I loved time. that show. And I remember she had a, I think she had a sidekick, the phone, because I had one, too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, Brooke yes. Hogan. I think you're right. I think you're right. I remember watching that vividly, and amongst many other terrible <laughs> early 2000s. It's one of the, the worst ones. Yeah. Anyways, when Vince signed Hulk, he was an established character in one of the other territories, and he had had a cameo in Rocky Three, which is how Vince saw him, and it made Vince realize, like, wow, he has the potential as a crossover star. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. I know. I, I feel know. like I keep cutting off. Thinking. But I'm just thinking about watching, seeing Hulk Hogan as we know him now, super tan, buffed out guy, yellow, not even blonde, yellow mullet. <laughs> Correct. 
just being like, that's him. That's the one. He's perfect. That's the guy. Like, imagine that being part of your creative workflow. It's like, mm, yellow hair, check. But uh, what, Got he, it. he's not wrong, though, because everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is, so he's exactly. on to something. But I just, it, trying to get to the mindset of like, yep, that's it. Let's go. <laughs> I know. I agree. Wow. So Hulk ended up bringing the same persona that he had over to the WWF, And obviously, this goes without saying, but he would go on to become one of the biggest stars of the 80s, if not the biggest, and arguably one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time. Like, everyone knows who Hulk Hogan is. I'm pretty sure kids even know who Hulk Hogan is these days. Yeah. I want to ask my my nibblings to see if they recognize that name. I'm sure they would. Oh, 100%. Anyways, in 1985... Vince was feeling a little spicy and he wanted to spice it up a little, you know, like he was just like, "Mm, you know, we can do more. We can do more with this WWF business. So he wanted another major show that year. He created WrestleMania, which still exists today, spoiler alert, but he wanted another major show and added the wrestling classic also in the same year in 1985 and added that on pay-per-view. That's a lot. That's a lot of money too. That's a lot. I was thinking about the work that goes into that, yeah. like, to produce events of that caliber. Whew. That's a lot. Oh, thanks. It's uh, a lot wait, of work. Can I just reiterate one more time? That's a lot. Okay. Let's go. It's a lot. So the second WrestleMania then was also on pay-per-view, and Vince started using pay-per-view to knock down his competition. Wanted to be, this is shocking, but he wanted to be the, quote, king of the pay-per-views. Because... <laughs> Being a creative overlord isn't enough, and owning all the little lords isn't enough. Let's be king of the pay-per-views, too. Let's He's really, really into, like, the royalty yeah. metaphors here. Yeah. So he kept pressing on this path, really, really wanted to keep going and be king of the pay-per-views, <laughs> and ultimately ended up playing his, quote, Trump card which invoked a clause in a contract that none of the cable companies could carry another wrestling event 30 days within his. Okay, so he had events going on. 30 days within his basically eliminates the need or desire for any other events to exist for cable companies, right? Like, Yeah, why would you? Exactly. And obviously no cable outlets wanted to risk carrying a lesser-known product than the known WWF, so they were like, okay, Vince, go for it. It's all yours, baby. Whatever you want. And then, I mean, he was on to something because WrestleMania three grossed $10 million. So clearly, like, he knew that pay-per-view was the way to go. Do you know what year WrestleMania started? Yeah, 1985. It's when he, the first one existed and he created it. Okay, so $10 million. Uh, yeah. Well, ah. WrestleMania three, so that would have been in 1988. Still. Hey, that's the year I was born. Yeah. <laughs> what a great year. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> so in 1989, to make himself even wealthier, because, you know, $10 million just isn't enough. What What is someone supposed to do with $10 million, Kate? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out, what to do with my 10 mil. <laughs> me too. If you l- figure it out, let me know. Okay. We'll chat offline about that. <laughs> Where to spend <laughs> $10 million. You know, I hate that I've used that phrase numerous times. We'll chat offline. We'll just, we'll have to have a separate meeting about that. Oh. <laughs> Corporate bingo, everyone. Anyways, 
because he wasn't rich enough, he also wanted to find a way to save more money, naturally. So he decided to avoid paying all the athletic commission fees that he was paying, because that's what you have to do when you're like an actual legitimate sport, by revealing that wrestling was actually rigged. Therefore, it was declassified as a sport. OMG. I just had a big brain moment. I like that just dawned on me, like why it's entertainment and not like an Olympic sport. I mean, they have wrestling, but not like yeah, (gasps) loopholes. Oh my gosh, days, man! Loopholes could very well be the theme of this episode. Sneaky, sneaky snake. Okay, sneaky snake indeed. So during this time, obviously, I've stressed this enough, but. WWF pay-per-views really started to grow in the late 80s especially and Vince just saw that as an opportunity to keep adding more events because obviously more events, more money, mm. more than 10 mil, he wanted to go on that path. No problems? That was that. Probably. So <laughs> we'll find out. Because again, he wanted to make himself wealthier because you know, adding more events isn't enough either and more pay-per-view money isn't enough. And people like this, you know, why not try to add something else? So in 1990, he attempts to found the World Bodybuilding Federation under his parent company, Titan Sports. Do you want to guess how that worked out, Kate? I'm assuming not well, because you said he attempted. Ooh, good context clues. Thank you. Good context clues. I'm a detective. (laughs) Detective Kate on Mm -hmm. the case. Mm -hmm. It lasted for... The timelines are a little blurry here, but not very long. It was officially dissolved in 1993. Hmm. It absolutely bombed. It was not good. Nothing about it was good. He tried to use crossover stars, so like, he tried to use stars from the WWF to make it more successful. It just... It didn't go. Didn't go. Cool. Hey, Kate. Yes? Remember that time... That we convinced our bosses to let us start a podcast. Yeah. And you know what? We made it happen, but we had some help along the way. Uh, It's not as easy to start a podcast as I thought it was. There's a lot you have to do. You have to get the branding, get all of your your thumbnails and everything done. But we have some help from Design Pickle. Yeah, we sure do. And with things like the source files and unlimited revisions, unlimited requests our smart designer match. It's been honestly a super easy process, way easier than if we were trying to do it ourselves. Oh yeah. And we can even automate the process with the Zapier integration. So there's a reason why Design Pickle is ranked on the Inc. 5000 two years in a row. Uh, And I I believe we have a special deal. Sorry, a special dill for all of our listeners right now. We sure do. If you are listening to this podcast and you need flat rate unlimited graphic design or custom illustrations, you can get $100 off your first month of any of our awesome plans by using the code WORST at checkout. That's W-O-R-S-T, all caps. Woo, that is amazing. Head over to designpickle.com and use WORST at checkout, and you can get $100 off. $100 off any plan. It's amazing. Any of them. It's pretty big dill. Get out of here. <laughs> Which brings us to 1993, and gosh, this is just, I don't even know where to start with this particular anecdote. 
I'm ready. So we're, we're in the year 1993, and the U.S. attorney in Brooklyn charged Vince with conspiring to s- distribute steroids to wrestlers. And the charges said that he routinely obtained anabolic steroids for wrestlers of the WWF, that he employed shady Pennsylvania doctor, Dr. George Zahorian, to ensure regular shipments of said steroids to the WWF headquarters in Connecticut. And Kate, would you like to guess how this one turned out? Not well, Jess. Not well at all. But, okay, I'm not surprised, though. Like, obviously he's going to do that. And and even, like, reputable sports and athletes have done that. So it's like, the, the weird thing, though, is that this is clearly a sport that's more entertainment. So clearly, like, the muscle aspect, right. is that just for appearances? No, they, they do have to do really hard stuff, though. Carry on, well, carry on. The, you know, like, going back to his whole creative vision for this is that he wanted supercharged physique. So it's not mm. a surprise that steroids were involved. But it's also, to your point, it's weird to think about it in terms of, like, baseball has always had a steroid problem, but they actually do it so that they can hit more home runs or, like, you know, break records. And for this, it's like, okay, well, it's all scripted, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... To all of our wrestling fans out there, don't get me wrong, like, you still have to be an athlete to do this. I mean, I, totally. I've never really watched wrestling, so I have no idea. But you're still jumping and lifting people and throwing people around, so okay, okay. But it, I get the vibe that this was more about the physical appearance than performance. 100% agree. Okay. So... He gets charged, and the trial miraculously ended with underwhelming witness testimony and legal errors, which secured his acquittal. Hmm. Sound familiar? Yeah. It's funny how that happens. Funny how that happens. The weird part is, Dr. Zahorian had already been supplying Vince and 37 wrestlers, including Hulk Hogan, with painkillers, steroids, the juice, whatever you want to call it, all throughout the 80s without prescriptions. So, like, that had already been established. And Zahorian was actually caught selling to a confidential informant and was indicted (sighs) in 1991. So two years before the charges to Vince came about, he was indicted on 15 charges of drug trafficking. Okay? 15! I'm literally, you see my eyeballs are like massive Kate's right eyeballs now. eyeballs are going to pop out of her head. <laughs> what a cool guy. <laughs> right? So because of this charge, or these 15 rather charges, Zahorian was asked for a cooperative testimony in regard to the WWF and Vince because they knew that he had stuff on them. So the other strange thing about this is that the circumstantial evidence for criminal conspiracy against Vince McMahon was strong. But the most serious charges against him were dropped due to, quote, procedural errors. And only one actual wrestler agreed to testify against Vince. Well, they're getting paid. Again, money. 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 I don't know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I have no witty retort to that because it's just. It's like WTF. Mm. Yeah. 
But regardless of all of this and him getting off scot-free and everything getting brushed under the rug, it did cause very bad publicity for the WWF and Vince, and it obviously drove down ratings accordingly, because, like, that's a huge scandal. Why would you not watch, you know? Like, I'm not gonna watch that. (laughs) He got off scot-free, and it's just... Okay, so... (sighs) All this stuff happens. It's very clear that there's some shady, shady stuff going on, but it's all kind of swept under the rug, and Vince is fine. More or less, but, like, they do legitimately take a hit with ratings, and in the wake of that whole trial, they start to struggle financially because people just aren't watching the WWF as much as they were. Hmm. So, by 1995, they, it was called, like, this whole era was called both Monday Night Wars and the, quote, Attitude Era. (laughs) That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, Attitude. So... They only had one competitor during this time, which is World Championship Wrestling. So it was basically like a whole war. Not only were they struggling financially, but they were also battling the WCW, which but, is also hard to say. But what about American Gladiator? Good question. Did you you never watch that, huh? God, that was before I know your of time. It. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz you were born a whole 4 years before me. 5 years. <laughs> After. After me. <laughs> if I was born before you, I would know what it is. But well, that's why I managed the brand and not the uh, math at Design Pickles. So. <laughs> math is so hard. <laughs> I'm not in the math department. <laughs> <laughs> Normal companies have math departments now. You heard it here first, folks. If you don't have a math department, you're doing it wrong. It's the wave of the future. We have so our, our resident. I can't even think of a different math-like <laughs> topic. I was going to say geometrics, but that's not a thing. Oh, no. Geometry. That's it. That's the word I'm looking for. I geometrics. <laughs> hey, I'm a designer. I'm a creative. And it might be the worst. So carry on with this awful Confirmed. story that you're telling me. <laughs> so as previously stated, they were really struggling financially. And for a guy like Vince, this seemed to affect his creativity as well, because he had trouble creating new characters that people actually cared about and that resonated with the masses, right? So like, leading up to this point, the fans were crazy about the actual wrestlers involved. They were invested in them as people. And now people were like, hmm, don't really care. And Vince was obsessed for whatever reason. Don't know why. But he was obsessed with wrestlers that represented occupations. So, like, characters like the Repo Man and Erwin R. Scheister, a.k.a. the IRS, oh. um, the Wrestling Accountant... Dr. Isaac Yankum, who was the wrestling dentist. Oh, I thought... (laughs) What did you think? I was going to ask what a yanker was, but you clarified that for me. Uh, Yeah. uh, Okay, wait. I I have a a very important question. Did you... Did you watch the show Glow, or have you? Are you watching the show Glow? I've watched a few episodes. I know the premise. I know like what it's about, but I haven't watched too much it's of it yet. So 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 good. Everyone should watch it. But like 
it all makes sense. Like, it's very similar. They have these, like, personas for each character. And each character's kind of like, well, that's... It feels like you're pigeonholing me here, but it's, it's all about the yeah. story. Okay, okay. That's Imagine the, getting the creative brief and seeing, like, oh, you have to play the repo man it's like, or the wrestling accountant. Okay, what do I do with that? Yeah. Do you want me to Number, bring a calculator I'm not, out? I'm not in the math department. How should I know? <laughs> so, as you can guess, all of these people and these characters just bombed with the audience everyone was like dude what are you doing <laughs> i hate the dentist already this is awful <laughs> get too. the anchor out of here <laughs> boo <laughs> so <laughs> um at this time because they were bombing the big stars that had appeared in the 80s like hulk hogan started going to the competitor they started going to the wcw oh snap vince is not happy about that i'm sure no hulk signed with them in 1995 and poor vince was probably like but i saw you in rocky (laughs) no (laughs) don't spit water out (laughs) i saw your yellow hair and i knew don't leave me yeah so all these wrestlers that left, like, they found that their careers were rejuvenated with the WCW, and I mentioned this earlier, but the Monday Night Wars that were going on between the WCW and WWF, God, it's hard to say, guys. Oh my God. <laughs> WWW. <laughs> no, don't do that. That would just, that, maybe I should, I don't know. Anyways. They were going head-to-head on Monday nights, and the WCW was beating the WWF in the ratings, not surprisingly, with characters like the freaking wrestling dentist and Yankum, but they ended up beating them in the ratings for 83 straight weeks. Can you imagine what Vince was like during those 83 straight weeks? I just Also, I've been calling the dentist Yanker instead of Yankum, so... <laughs> Oops, but... 83 weeks? How many months is 83 weeks? Well, it's a year and about mm, seven or eight months. Cool. So in 1997, we start to see some, some more bad stuff happen. Like, obviously bad stuff has happened the whole time, but Bret Hart, one of the most famous wrestlers in the WWF, was quoted in an interview saying... Quote, Vince McMahon has always had this mentality about treating wrestlers like circus animals. All of these wrestlers that have broken their backs making this living for years and end up with nothing when it's over. Then they sort of take you out back and put a slug in the back of your head and dump you out. That's the life of a professional wrestler. Uh, Jess, in your experience in the sports world, yes. would you say that that's somewhat true in any sport, though, too? I think that comparatively, it's a lot worse for wrestlers because they don't have, as you'll find out, they don't have protections like other leagues and athletes do. Um, And they're also not as mainstream. So, like, when you're more mainstream, Mm. people are going to do something about it, right? Like, you have more eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, he was actually able to say this and speak confidently about it in this quote because his own brother died as a wrestler under Vince. Whoa. So, he was speaking from a very personal place. Yeah. And this quote in an interview 
coincidentally, it came right before what was called the Montreal Screw Job of November 1997. <laughs> the screw job. These names. So I, I can't. I know. <laughs> like, that is the creative overlord in Vince with these ridiculous names. I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Can you imagine, down. not that you watch the NFL, but if on, like, a Sunday night football game, they were like, and here comes quarterback the screw job. Okay, D- you joke, but I, you're right, I don't watch football, but when I do, but when my husband has it on, I'm laughing at the commentators because they sound so ridiculous. Like, to me, it does sound like they're saying that because it's... <laughs> so over the top like they're trying to make something so minuscule turn into whoa and then wow look at that let's let's really milk this for five minutes it's hilarious i totally get your perspective on it i really do i that's all i'll say just just (laughs) pro tip for any of the other spouses or partners of people who uh, uh their partner likes football and you hate watching it uh, just just get into like watching the commentators and just be entertained because it's com- it's pure comedy comedy gold right there. That's all. Actually, comedian Jenny Slate does a really good bit on watching the NFL and does commentary about how the players are interacting with each other on and off the field and like what it's actually like. It's very funny. I highly recommend it. It's on oh, Netflix. Okay, I'll watch that. Anyways, so. This screw job business. <laughs> <laughs> Back to business here. <laughs> Hold on. Very serious screw job business over here. It's an important event because it was one of the first times in the US that a wrestling event went off script. Okay. Ooh. So remember, Vince was very focused on what the storylines were, what the scripts were. Like he was heavily involved on the creative side. So it was the first time. Or one of the first times in that became a major incident that it went it, off script. Oh, so it wasn't supposed to happen. It was... No. Oh, dear. It was not supposed to happen. So basically, Bret Hart and Vince were in the middle of a contract dispute, and Vince legitimately screwed him on live television and made him lose the title when he was actually scripted to win the match. <gasps> Drama. Oh, dun, no. Dun, dun. So through this, the lines between what was real and fake were obviously very blurred. Like, people didn't know, because there was a contract dispute going on, did he do this for the sake of television and creating good entertainment, or was it because he was actually pissed? Who's to say? I mean, I could guess, but Uh who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Vince actually went on TV the next week and claimed that Brett screwed Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Vince. Okay, Vince, that's a great sentence there. Wow, you told him. Brett screwed <laughs> you really, Brett. You really got him there. You screwed him at the screwball event. <laughs> Is that what it was called? Or screw job, but so, same thing. <laughs> same diff. Come on. This was the first time. This is surprising, actually, but it was the first time it was ever acknowledged on TV that Vince actually owned the company. And because he was positioned in this light, it kind of served as a catalyst for him to become his evil boss character that will become important later on. Oh my gosh. Can you see it? I can't. I I hate him so (laughs) much right now. (sighs) Okay. So I mentioned the Attitude Era, and you laughed, but from 1997, so from this point on, 
to 2001, the WWF was referred to as the Attitude Era or in an Attitude Era because the company was getting constantly beat by the WCW in the ratings. How many weeks in a row, Kate? 83. And that's a year and some months. Seven months. Nope. I don't know. So proud. Something like that. Sure. But they were still getting beat. And Vince's solution to all this, his creative mind behind all this was like, I know. Let's make it more raunchy and make it more like Jerry Springer. That's what he wanted. He's not wrong. I mean. I mean. Okay. Well, that's 2000, television. 2001. That's like peak reality TV. Or No, maybe that's a bit later. Yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like the whole early 2000s era was, like, filled with... I mean, we still have really good reality TV today, so it's oh. like... Hmm. Tell me about it. Don't get me started on Below Deck. <laughs> Anyways, so that's why it was called the Attitude Era, because he wanted to create it to be way raunchier and way more, like, let's push the envelope versus just people doing ridiculous stunts. And not surprisingly... It was what the people wanted. This ended up being really successful. And it was the most popular that wrestling had ever been in the U.S. So they went from tanking the ratings, getting beat, having the steroid trial, overshadowing everything, to just like skyrocketing to be the most successful that wrestling has ever been. And this obviously only fueled Vince's creative mind. He was like, this is amazing. Like, I want to do this all the time. And so he started booking even more shocking storylines. Do you want to take a guess at a couple of storylines in this raunchy time? I would love to hear if you were writing for the WWF. Oh. What you would write. <laughs> um, so there's this math teacher. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I, I mean, you say raunchy. I'm like, I'm pit. Oh, is this where they bring, like, the female wrestlers out? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Ew, <laughs> gross. Okay. Let's get raunchy. Tell me about it. So he started forcing the females, whether they were wrestlers or not, to strip in the ring. He allegedly tried to book an incest angle with his daughter. <gasps> Um, no, tried. Like, that didn't end up happening. Well, I don't care if he, you tried or not. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care yeah. if you succeed or not in that. The, the attempt It's the, the thought that counts. Oh, my yeah. gosh. He also beat up his, quote, illegitimate son. He also had a storyline. <laughs> yeah. <line>. yeah. <laughs> well, you no, just I kind know. of, like, uh, quickly went over his illegitimate son, but... I'm not shocked. That's fine. Okay. It, I mean, again, the lines between reality and what was happening in these storylines was significantly blurred. Probably not his illegitimate son. He spun it like that. He also dropped the ultimate racial slur as part of a, quote, skit. So, like, that's the type of stuff that he was like, oh, yeah, like, this will get us ratings. This will be good. So that that's kind of on par with what we would expect, but nonetheless... It was shocking once you read it out loud like that. <laughs> I wish I could show everyone your eyeballs right now. <laughs> uh, the biggest they've been in a long time. Uh, yeah. This this was still early 2000s when he... Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is going on throughout the Attitude Era. And he... I mentioned the catalyst for the evil boss character. Well... 
he would go on to portray the evil boss on TV. Like, this became an actual character. And he would feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Have you heard that name before? I do. I do recognize that name. Yeah. Which would then cause the largest ratings success in history and merchandise sales of any period. So because he created this evil boss character, they just, like, skyrocketed to success. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, is he, like, he's part of this organization, or what's... Okay. So because of Vince's evil boss character and Stone Cold Steve Austin's deal, they had just, like, this wild ride of success. I mean, just crazy, crazy merchandise sales, which I'm picturing t-shirts with that, and, like, what? What do those look like? (laughs) Yeah, so you get the picture. But quick sidebar through all this. So we've talked a lot about, like, okay, Vince is coming up with these characters and all these things. But he really is the brain. I mean, still to this day, he's the brains behind the operation. He's the head creative for all of this stuff. Like, he still has final say with scripts, storylines, costumes, down to every sparkle and how they're positioned. And... He's he's had a little bit of a rough reputation, as you can imagine, with just being a real hard ass about the creativity side. Like he, creative team members have said he's been known to tell glassy-eyed employees that there's no such thing as being sick. So like that's the type of stuff we're dealing with. He also a head writer once said if he got to the office at seven a.m., Vince's car would already be there, and if he didn't leave until ten p.m., Vince would still be there. Sounds fun. Sounds like a a thriving work environment. He also says, Vince has said, that he only sleeps four hours a night because he feels like he's, quote, missing something when he's asleep. Oh, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He has the final word on every single Monday Night Raw creative decision, every single one, which is obviously why we're talking about him. Like, he, there's a lot of creativity that goes into this, but he's been known to rewrite entire episodes change the clothing, tell the announcers what to say right down to, like, the last minute before they go live. Now, as someone who creates a lot of stuff, there's nothing there's nothing I love better than than someone telling you to change everything at the very last minute. So, cool. Right. Cool. Especially when they're creative themselves, and they, in theory, should understand what it's like to have to change all that. It's like, okay, cool, like, just gonna throw out a week's worth of scripts that I wrote, and uh, guess you can do them now. Like present tense, is does he still make all of those decisions? Is he still an overlord in all of this? We'll talk about it. Yeah, oh. all signs point to yes. An article in Forbes talked about the WWE SmackDown, and they said. Once a true land of opportunity where underrated talents were consistently given the opportunity to shine, the last-minute changes that are constantly being made by McMahon have resulted in a lack of direction for most of the blue brand stars and inconsistent storytelling for the rest of them. And this exact environment was reflected in Raw as well, which is just another program that they had. But it, like, like, how shitty if you get that and you're one of the writers, but you can't even do your thing because Vince is like, nope, bye. He's like a, yeah, just kind of, he can't let go. He can't let go of the vine. No. And it became the norm for him to rip up scripts and all these new things. And a lot of people started writing about it and saying, like, if he continues like this, you're not going to be able to produce entertaining 
products and then you're not going to be able to create new stars and then as a result of that you're not going to attract new fans like how do you expect to grow if that's how you're running your company Hmm. so interesting tidbit when you think about it in terms of the actual business side of it obviously he's a very creative person and he had success but it's like to what end is that acceptable you know Mm -hmm. so final note on his creativity this one just cracks me up he has a lengthy list we actually have i wish i could show this on a video but we have an actual document that has a lengthy list of words announcers have to avoid while they're commentating on <gasps> wrestling matches oh you're gonna give you us some take of those a guess <sighs> yeah you want to take a guess some of the words i'm gonna guess real mm, oh i'm not seeing that one. Oh, that's a good guess though that's a good guess so these are just some of my favorites. There are a ton on there. I couldn't read the whole list, but these are some of my favorites just in the context of keep in mind, like these are the announcers. Okay. Mm-hmm. They can't say business, feud, war, performance, pro wrestling, athlete, star, interesting, fans, hospital, group, or title is on the line. Wait a minute. Uh, I'm sure he has his reasons and maybe they're good, and maybe they're not. But some of those, I, I truly don't understand how that would be bad for your brand. Star? Right? Like, don't you want to put in people's heads that these people are stars? That's Ho- what I don't get. <laughs> Hospital? Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I get it. War? I don't know. I feel like war would... would work well in that context but okay so they're they're they have like a vocabulary of like 12 words that they're working with and you know what the funny ones to me are pro wrestling i mean that's what it is (laughs) what else are you calling it what else do you call them can you say pro wrestler Mm -mm. oh so they're just they're just yank them all of them are just yank them yank them is fine you're supposed to use, instead of pro wrestling or pro wrestler, you have to use super... Oh, I'm sorry. I read this wrong. Please, please retract my <laughs> previous statement. You can't use pro wrestling or pro wrestler, but you should use superstar, star, or athlete instead. That's my B. Uh, okay. Because that, makes, that makes so much more sense. And clearly, yeah. you're not in the reading department at Design Pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I mm, no. <laughs> so that, I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like it's important to touch on the fact that his creativity is obviously very important, but it's like, dude, what the hell are you doing? You're this stifling is- the creativity of others. But again, uh, I'm sure he has his reasons for all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. there are certain words that we try to avoid in our marketing messaging and stuff like that, but that, it sounds like also a very comprehensive list. I feel like if I was an announcer, I'd just be crying the whole time <laughs> because I'd always say the wrong thing. Not bad. <laughs> and we, he has to go to the hospital. Oh, shoot. I mean, he has to take an ambulance <laughs> to a facility. Wow. That has beds and IVs. Anyways, so <laughs> by 1998... The WWF had 14 events a year, and the WCW at this point, remember, their biggest foe, had 16. So they're right on par. They're still competing with each other, clearly. But this is also the time that wrestlers start dying at an alarming rate. Didn't know if you know that tidbit, 
but that's a thing, apparently. I know... Okay, so, Jess, obviously, I love true crime. Surprise, surprise, I'm a white female in her 30s. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I am aware of one famous wrestler who had a traumatic brain injury and, like, murdered his whole family, so... Ooh, we actually bring him up. Okay, perfect. I mean, not it's awful, not perfect, but I am aware of... Same thing. Yeah, the the major issues there. Um, I didn't realize a lot of people were dying, though. I mean, that's, uh... Yes, so... This kind of started really coming to light when Owen Hart died in the ring during an actual <gasps> event after oh falling gosh. to his death when he, a planned stunt went wrong, which is horrific. I mean, imagine watching that in person or on TV. I mean, that's just... I have goosebumps. That's so freaky. I know. I know. And unfortunately, because of this, because of the rate that they were dying, fans started to get almost like accustomed to their favorite wrestlers dying young due to the lifestyle and it just became a thing that was accepted and like okay well this is the norm i guess but my entertainment what yeah like okay Hmm. i mean i can't imagine i know that all sports have their issues but i can't imagine just being like well this is what we're gonna accept as reality for us now yikes it's happening yeah and they've done a lot of studies on this and it actually has been proven that wrestlers have a higher death rate than the NFL and the normal population, which is so sad. I mean, yeah, that's gosh, awful. we could go on a whole other tangent about that. I, I'm sure you're going to dive into this and you kind of, you touched on it already, but just, they also weren't being paid that much either. Oh, it's coming. Oh boy. You just wait. All right. So in 1999, the WWF becomes a publicly traded company and this officially made Vince a billionaire. <laughs> this also meant that the leadership was now beholden to shareholders, and it essentially just made professional wrestling more corporate. So all of the days of what they called the wild, wild west of pro wrestling, they kind of had to go to the past because they were publicly traded now. Okay. So because Vince is his creative self, and we've seen this happen before, and it's not going to be a surprise, he decides, hey... I think I should start a professional football league to compete with the NFL. Stop it. (laughs) I have never heard of this before. Yeah. And (laughs) in 2001, he attempted to start the XFL, which he wanted to make basically football into the WWF, but football. So he wanted to make it super flashy and like cinematic and artistic, which... I'm sorry. I, as an avid football lover, you're not going to make football artistic. You're just not. It That's already not is happen. in its own way. Like, like it's already pretty freaking dramatic and stuff. What do you? You want to make yeah. fake football? Yeah, like he wanted to have cheerleaders just going wild and everything that you would expect is what he envisioned for this. Oh, league. it sounds like garbage. Just total garbage. Do you want to guess how it turned out? Garbage. <laughs> It lasted one season, if that, and he lost almost $70 million on that project. (laughs) So he had just become a billionaire because they started to be publicly traded, and then he's like, well, here's $70 million for you. To be fair, he took a risk. He became a billionaire and was like, I'm going to take my my billion 
billion and turn it into something else. It just that's what a creative does, though. It's like you're taking risks and sometimes it doesn't pan out. However, this is a horrible idea. <laughs> Never should have happened horrible. in the first place. Fun fact, uh, the XFL actually tried to come back this past year. And because of COVID and just kind of a weird setting for it, it was actually pretty entertaining. I watched a few games. Um, of but course The you Rock, did. Dwayne Johnson, just bought it. So he's going to own the XFL now, and they're actually going to try to make a go of it. And their whole spin isn't to be flashy. It's to be safer than the NFL now. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) My face has never changed faster. I was like, all <laughs> I was scowl, just gonna like, on that. <laughs> oh, what? I loved The Rock. What happened? But now I'm like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Football's really dangerous. <laughs> There's a lot of TBIs in there. <laughs> cool. Okay. It's a roller coaster, man. This whole wow. thing is a roller coaster. So coincidentally, not coincidentally at all, it's Vince McMahon. What am I saying? <laughs> he also this year pulled the most elaborate prank on an employee that he had ever pulled. <laughs> He had cops arrest an employee for an alleged underground gambling ring, and he let the arrest and the whole situation go on for 45 minutes and involved a bunch of other people to make it seem real, and then was like, psych, it's just a prank. (laughs) Vince, that's not how you prank people, dude. (laughs) Wait, that was was this year? No, 2001. 2001. Come on. Still. Yeah. Like, get better material. That's all I have to say. He's like, <laughs> you can't do better I'm than like, that. It's just a prank, bro. Like, wh- <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <sighs> so, yeah, I, I don't love that. I, I don't love how that employee probably felt. I mean, regardless, maybe they were running an underground gambling ring, but you don't need to do that to them. Oui. In 2001, it was an eventful year for him. He also purchased the WCW, if you recall, their biggest competitor and their only competitor for years and years and years. They had a battle with, he purchased them for $4.2 million. So they went from being the underdogs against the WCW. They were getting beat by them, getting beat in the ratings, everything, only competitor, and then they buy them for only $4 million. I was just going to say, like, that sounds way low that versus mm-hmm. what I was expecting. I mean, but at that point, 2001, the WCW probably knew, like, we can't compete against yeah. this overlord. <laughs> Damn overlord. So, obviously, because it was their only competitor and he bought them, it then turned the WWF into a monopoly. Ooh, I love that Not game. Surprising. No, I don't. I don't love math. Get out of here. <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect. I don't even know. I hate Monopoly. $200. I only know that from like a movie. We're literally not allowed to play Monopoly in my family because my mom cheats. (laughs) This is my surprised face right now. Yeah, that sounds like a thing. Why would any family play Monopoly together? It sounds like an awful time. It destroys families. So, in 2002, the WWF, as we know it, has to officially change their name to, what? The WWE! Exactly, which stands for World Wrestling Entertainment, obviously. But the reason they had to change it is because in 1994, the World Wildlife Fund 
fund fun fund the world it is wildlife fund so many w's had filed a lawsuit and you know was saying hey we're the wwf like we have two of these we need to straighten this out but they ended up reaching an agreement back in 94 um that if the wwf honored some stipulations that they could both coexist but because of the attitude era and how raunchy things got the world wildlife fund was like yo <laughs> no, we're not doing this anymore. No, this is too so, raunchy. Your dentist guy <laughs> is stripping now. Like, we're just trying to save People animals are... out here. Jeez. Yeah, like, we have a panda on our logo. We're not trying to get involved with your weird no. quirks. No raunchy so pandas. They took them... No raunchy pandas. So they took him back to court, and the WWF wrestling version had to change their name to the wwe and it was formally changed in 2002 hmm. More so fitting. now we know it as the wwe yeah okay agreed so vince continues down his lovely interesting path that he's laid out for himself in 2006 he was accused of sexual assault but as a shocking twist of events the case went nowhere Hmm. Um, allegedly he was in a tanning salon and something happened with the employee she reported it but oddly enough all records were destroyed despite the original police report stating they had enough evidence to charge him oh my gosh i was gonna say like well maybe he didn't do it because i but i also know nothing about him but i haven't heard anything that he's done but that sucks and also hold on quick note about the tanning salon because uh, normally when we record these episodes, we don't know what the other person is going to talk about or who the other person is going to talk about. I did know that you were covering Vince McMahon. So obviously I wanted to look at pictures of him for context. <sighs> um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> that was a big sigh. Uh, and for good reason. We we joked before just privately, because sometimes we talk privately. Offline. Uh, I'm going to chat with you offline about this. We talked about, yes. well, your friend said men age gracefully and women turn into pieces of ham meat or something like that. Sliced ham. Sliced ham. <laughs> I would argue that Vince McMahon, not to just, like, talk trash from people's appearance, but... It's just fact. Like, he's he's kind of looking like sliced ham that's been sitting out on your counter for a while. <laughs> and so the tanning, the tanning thing makes sense because he's getting that brown crust. <laughs> like a, a nice honey-baked ham that's like, you know, some, ooh, some brown sugar coated on the top. Mmm. Mmm. You know, the funniest thing about this is when I was doing research, that thought never even crossed my mind. But now, every time I see him <laughs> in mm. photos, it will be permanently ingrained. Honey Baked Ham. Honey Baked Ham. That's his new name going forward. <laughs> but, obviously, because, again, this is Vince McMahon. Go oh, ahead, Kate. Hold on. <laughs> we Honey, have more ham thoughts? Vince. Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> Vince Honey Baked Ham McMahon. That's all. Okay, sorry. I mean, how perfect. It just it just flows. Just rolls right you off the get... tongue, just like WWE. <laughs> okay, so that happens. Shocking. He gets off without so much as a warning. 
or anything and records are destroyed and he's like la da 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 on to the next thing so 2007 rolls around and this guy this guy Vince McMahon staged his own death (laughs) Vince Honeybaked Ham McMahon (laughs) sorry I, I ruined it this guy Vince Honeybaked Ham McMahon staged his own death in an exploding limo during a live broadcast (laughs) Monday Night Raw. And it was also, like, Mr. McMahon Appreciation Night is what it was called. So the limo explodes, and immediately the show just cuts. Like, you know how we joke, (laughs) the disaster thing, we've done this in Design Pickle content? Yeah, they did that. So it just immediately cuts after the limo explodes. And the WWE announced that he was presumed dead after this limo explosion. They even flew the flag at headquarters at half-mast, okay? Dude, and that this is so twisted. This is, like, the worst thing you've told me in this entire story. It gets worse for many reasons. So his very good friend, Donald Trump, was there that night, and he took it so far that even Trump thought he was actually dead when this happened. Like, they had this whole thing going on. He went back to the limo and it exploded and Trump was like, no, my friend, oh no. That, that's not what Donald Trump sounds like, but I get the sentiment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember when I said earlier about his wife that she's an interesting cat? Mm. They're, uh, they're really good friends with Trump. That's why he was there. So just let that sink in. Wait, what's that to do with his wife? Because Trump appointed her to be the administrator for the Small Business Administration. Oh. Yeah, did they're not... like really, really close. Okay, did not make that connection there. That That's really actually close. one of the uh, Google photos that popped up, was them all together. So, makes sense. Not surprised. Yeah. And this went on for a week. So the WWE perpetuated the story for an entire week like they were like vince is dead that's it that's the thing until you brought this up earlier but active wrestler chris benoit murdered Uh, his wife and son and then committed suicide mm -hmm. and the wwe was like oh bad timing really bad timing so they pulled the plug. Uh, I would argue never good timing for that, but okay. I mean, agreed. Agreed. But they realized that mm, probably should scrap this ASAP. Probably need to get rid of this storyline. So they were like, oh, sorry, just kidding. Oh, no. And they drew so much criticism, as you can guess, because wrestler deaths were super common. Like, they were basically making fun of the fact that wrestlers die and the whole show was basically a parody of what they did for tribute shows for wrestlers that had passed away. Oh my gosh. And like, what are you doing? Why is that funny? So messed up. That is so messed up. So Uh, speaking back to like the whole, no, go ahead. I was going to say for, for those of you who don't know, uh, Chris Benoit, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed. I think the, they did an autopsy, and were, they were like, yeah, he had major TBI. Um, Not but, surprising. Yeah, he he had he was super messed up in the head after getting banged in the head and thrown around so much uh, that he snapped and annihilated his family and then killed himself, as you said. Uh, I didn't reiterate anything i just repeated no what you said really good segue a really good segue because 
you know, we've talked about the death rates and how they're dying at alarming rates. Things are happening. But Vince managed to, through all of this and still to this day, he shielded himself from responsibility for the wrestlers' welfare. And they're actually classified as independent contractors. So Mm. for those of you that don't know, like, there's a big difference between independent contractors and full-time employees. Full-time employees obviously are entitled to significant amount of benefits and all these other things, whereas independent contractors are basically like, "Mm, you're supposed to be able to work on your own free will and all these other things. So wrestler Jesse Ventura was quoted once saying, how are you self-employed when you can't work for anyone else? They tell you when and where you'll work, who you'll work for, and they totally control your life. Yet they call you an independent contractor. How has the government allowed them to get away with that for 30 to 40 years? Wow. Fair point. Mm -hmm. Super fair point. Because when you're a 1099 contractor, you're exempt from all safety laws, so you can't get workers' comp, anything like that. When you're a professional wrestler, sorry, (laughs) when you're a pro star wrestler, whatever (laughs) you called it, uh, and that's the only organization that exists, but you're an independent contractor where else are you going to go who else are you contracting out with like it's exactly clear that you're you're working for one organization and one of the big pillars of at least in court of deciding a 1099 contractor versus a full-time employee is if they're essential to the organization or not so normally like people will hire a 1099 contractor we've done it at design pickle that like works on a project and then they're done. We don't need them full time. But asking if the wrestlers are essential to the WWE, are you kidding me? Well, let's just like, get let's just get Vince out there in the ring, see what happens. I mean, he does. So uh, I another photo I'm looking at, he is topless with <laughs> chains around his neck and he's ready Sounds to go. Sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. So, on that note, they tried to unionize at one point and Shocker, Vince said, mm not allowed. He put the kibosh on that real quick, hmm. which is also messed up because every major sports league has a union and they have an off-season. So, like, the union dictates all their um, responsibilities and what they're entitled to for benefits and how much they're supposed to work and all these things gives them an off-season that's proper to allow them to recover. And the WWE not only isn't unionized, but they work all year round. Like, they don't have an off-season. So they're just constantly working wow yeah and it's important to note too i mean you have the big names and you've had people like hulk hogan and even chris benoit was a big name but not every wrestler is that caliber like they can't just go out and get endorsement deals or get their own tv shows or be in movies or whatever so i'm sure there's a lot of promises to them that they'll get at that level but it's false hope oh man what a bummer As if it couldn't get worse, the contracts that they sign with the WWE state that the WWE is not liable for anything, even if it's their fault. They're not liable. How do you write a contract like that? Oh, because... I'm just going to start saying that. Money and people will sign it with the idea that they're going to make it so big that they will be fine. Hmm. Yep. I know. It's sad. It's sad because you see the potential and it's like, well, I understand why they do that. In fact, in an HBO interview, one of the wrestlers, Roddy Piper, said, there's no exit plan for wrestling. There's only an entrance plan. And he said in that interview that he was only going to live until 65 and maybe not even. And he ended up passing away at (gasps) 61. Like, they know 
what they're getting into and they recognize that. But like you said, it's the allure of just everything. Yeah. The glam. And that's, that's part of like the creative overlords kind of vision that he's painting for these people. So man, what a bummer. And then obviously through all that, they're pressured to work through injuries, even though they don't have access to healthcare. I love this quote. It's so sweet from Vince in an HBO interview. He was asked if he had any comments about so many wrestlers dying under the age of 40. His response was, why don't you ask yourself that question? I accept no responsibility whatsoever for their untimely deaths. None whatsoever. (sighs) And then he smashed a paper. Wait, he smashed a paper? He like hit the paper. I watched this live in the interview that was shown and he smashed the paper. Not live. Okay. But I watched the actual video, and he, yeah, he was not happy at that question at all. I wonder why. That's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, but, I mean, the WWE in recent years, they've tried to somewhat improve the situation. They've banned chair smashes, the ever-so-famous chair smashes, and they've established a concussion protocol. Hmm. And then they've established a talent wellness program, which includes annual physicals and cardio and brain testing. What is brain testing? An MRI? I don't know. Uh, Who knows? But obviously all this stuff is still violated because if they're pressured to still go out and perform and compete, it's like you can implement all those things. But if you're telling someone, hey, you have to go out there regardless of if you're concussed or not, they're going to do it. Yeah. So It's our livelihood. And Exactly. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Just all... It's all bad. It's <sighs> all bad. And, you know... As if Vince wasn't the creative overlord that is strange enough on his own, he also, in 2010, it was revealed by an employee that he hates, hates, with a burning passion, sneezing, and you cannot (laughs) sneeze around him. I was so not ready for that. (gasps) I know! Did he I'm sure something happened. (laughs) Hold on, let me put my psychoanalyst hat on. I wonder if one of his many uh, stepfathers sneezed at him too many times. I mean, we can only guess, but he allegedly hates it. His daughter later confirmed that this is 100% accurate, and he for sure hates sneezing. Like, he cannot deal with it. But apparently he hates it because he can't control it. I mean, does anyone like is this like he doesn't like he hates sneezing himself or hearing other people sneeze cannot sneeze around him like you cannot to be be fair sorry i have allergies (laughs) i hate when my husband sneezes because he also is like he's a screamer but like what if you're just like like he will just loses his mind wow and allegedly it makes him the other reason he hates it is because he literally can't focus for at least 20 minutes if someone around him sneezes so like he'll be writing a script and someone's like oh no i have to sneeze and they go achoo and then he's like shit i can't write for 20 minutes now that's it today's done i can't do this (laughs) okay i mean there's no explanation like we can try to psychoanalyze it but at the end of the day like Wow, it's something special. That's all I have to say. That is special. 
It is. So today, the WWE is worth more than $1 billion. Obviously, Vince is a billionaire. They have over a billion fans on social media. They have reality shows. They have TV programs. They have a movie studio. They have video games. And WrestleMania is one of the most valuable sports brands in the world, ranking higher than the World Series, which I don't get at all. At all. But <sighs> apparently, like, all these celebrities come out and say WrestleMania is the coolest live event they've ever been to. What in celebrities? Fact, everyone, literally everyone, even athletes that have gone to WrestleMania, they're like, it is absolutely wild and insane. Like, it's just a whole experience. <sighs> okay. I, I retract my last statement because, of course, like, yeah, any live show is going to be entertaining, and I'm sure it's just wild as he- all heck. But, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, now I want to go because I've heard after doing all this research and kind of watching some clips and stuff, it's very interactive with the audience and the audience really dictates kind of the path that they go down. So that part is really cool because in any other sporting event, like, yeah, the crowd can have a difference or make a difference. But in this, it's like they're part of the whole thing. <laughs> that makes me want to go to one less. To be honest. <laughs> I, I just want to watch the show. Don't bring me into it, man. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I've, I'd be curious to see it and just see how we feel about it after right. actually well, experiencing it. Just once COVID's over, which is... We're putting it on our bucket list. Yeah. We're going to go to a WWE show together. Vince, dare I ask you for tickets after this? <laughs> Dear Overlord. Dear Diary. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll give us he'll give us tickets after listening to this episode. Yeah, perfect, hundred percent. Sure, We're, they're going to be like in our inbox, ready to go. So you get the point. I mean, it's uber successful. It's giant. It's a whole operation. They even started their own streaming service recently. You can get all access for nine ninety nine a month. They still do pay per view, but they just have all these revenue streams that are coming in. And it's important to note that the fans, they're obviously heavily invested. We talked about that. But Vince actually listens to them sometimes. Not all the time. Oh, but he listens to them. Yeah. You wouldn't think that based on his weird creative idiosyncrasies. No, I mean, those are his customers. I get it. Like, eh. Yeah. But, I mean, they're like... There are plenty of examples of him not listening and just doing whatever he wants anyways in spite of what the audience wants. So, like, it goes both ways. We can see it. We can totally see it. But fans are so dedicated, and they're such a, you know, unique group of fans, I think, in the sports world that they've actually helped with healthcare, funerals, etc. for wrestlers. They've been really involved with that, which is a whole other thing that ties back into why are they independent contractors? Like, fans shouldn't have to pay for that stuff in theory uh but they've also done good or attempted to do good and they've started twitter campaigns so one is a twitter campaign for equality for female wrestlers and it's hashtag give divas a chance so (gasps) i love the divas okay yeah so the fans try to do the right thing and you know whether or not vince takes what they're saying seriously uh, it's up for debate so, Kate, this brings me to my question. Oh. Is Vince the worst? Oh, well, uh, I mean, he's up there. He is up there. But, like, 
obviously part of the show is talking about how these people, despite their the awful things that they've done, in which Vince has done many, um, the world wouldn't be the same without professional wrestling. That's like, I know nothing. You know, like, I'm not in the sports world at all, but I know who he is. I know who a lot of these wrestlers are, and I don't know why I know them, but... right. And some people, like, their lives are literally about the WWE, like, the hardcore fans. So he has made a, like, just a huge impact in the world. But I don't like him. I don't like him. Yeah. I mean, to what you said, like, we know these names, but we don't know why. And that's because he created these iconic characters in history yeah. that became part of pop culture. Like they weren't just in wrestling. They it's were huge. ingrained in reality television and they went on to be in movies and all these other things. I mean, look at the rock. Yeah. Like, he's the highest paid movie star now. <laughs> it's like he started, I mean, he had many other things, but he was in the WWE and like, it's just wild. So I'll say that, Vince McMahon is not the worst just because he brought The Rock into our lives. Is that fair? I think that's fair to say because I agree with you. Okay. I, you know, I I battle this because obviously he's had kind of a tumultuous journey and I don't agree with a lot of the things and it's a little bit troublesome to digest some of that information. Like a little bit. That's under 40 and you know we could go on and on but he also he really changed the landscape of tv of sports media of the way that things were being run so it's like you can't completely hate him because he's actually done a lot to revolutionize the way everything is run in the sports world and the tv world and etc so he still sounds like a horrible human being but there's there's no doubt about all the things that he's contributed in that arena uh so yeah, what an overlord. Oh my what goodness. An overlord. Just like from a creativity standpoint, I'm sure that part of the reason that he doesn't sleep is because he just constantly has ideas and that's why he's changing scripts at the last minute. And when you really think about it and the science behind it, it's like, I think there's just too much in his brain and that's why he is the way that he is. Hmm. Another creative too much in their brain, taking it out in the wrong way. Well done. That was a great story. Yeah. I was I was on the edge of my seat. That was awesome. <laughs> it's a wild ride. We should also mention that everything we said, I know we're a little opinionated about Vince because he, I mean, how can you not be? If you don't have an opinion about him, then wow, <laughs> kudos to you. But these are just our opinions based on our own research. And if you do disagree with us, maybe there are people that like him. I don't know. Or you think that we missed something crucial to the story or his story, let us know. Please reach out to us. We really want to know these things. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you if you agree, disagree, or if we got something totally wrong. Uh, or if you're in the math department, I'd love to hear about that. So shoot, shoot if you us. Know, or <laughs> if you have any tips for the reading department, I'm trying to get rehired into the reading department. <laughs> So if you have any tips, just just Uh, shoot us an email at podcast.designpickle.com. We'll respond with our favorite math tips or reading tips, if you request. (laughs) That's right. Uh, (laughs) Podcast.designpickle.com. Also, you know, throw us a bone here. Give us a a like. Do you like podcasts? That's not a thing. 
Um, I think you follow them or fo- subscribe to them. Oh, yeah. that that's that sounds more podcasty. Uh, subscribe. Mm, yes. Give us a review, send to your friends, do all that fun stuff. We appreciate it. Design Pickle appreciates it. And we appreciate you. Thank you for being you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Creatives Are the Worst. If you like what you're hearing, or if you think that we're the worst, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you. You can also contact us directly at podcasts at designpickle.com. And a big thanks to Design Pickle for sponsoring the show. Join us next week as we once again try to answer the question, are creatives the worst?